it is Christmas time, so everyone's probably sick and tired of Christmas songs by now, so we thought that we would mix it up a little bit and cover two new musicals. They're Christmas musicals, but they've got some new songs in them. This week we'll be looking at the brand new Netflix special Jingle Jangle and the Scottish high school Christmas zombie musical thing Anna and the Apocalypse from a couple of years ago. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. And I'm your other host, Rob. Let's start with Anna and the Apocalypse since it's yeah. three years old now and Jingle Jangle's only a couple weeks old. Uh, was this your first time seeing this? It was. Um, I heard about this movie back in March and it's been on my list for a couple months and just never really found time to watch it. And, you know, watching Christmas movies <laughs> in the middle of spring is kind of odd. Yeah. But here we are, December 15th, and it's a perfect time to watch Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes. As you said earlier, it is a zombie musical set in Scotland. Yes, it's and very Scottish. If you can't really picture that in your head, just think La La Land meets Shaun of the Dead. Yes, with a little bit of High School Musical thrown in. Yeah. Um, so... This movie came out in 2017, directed by John McPhail, starring Ella Hunt, Malcolm Cumming, Sarah Swire, I think that's how you say her name. Sarah Swire? Swire. Yeah. And Paul Kane, who you might recognize from Game of Thrones. Yeah. So, the plot's pretty typical zombie plot. A small town gets taken over by the undead. But what I liked about Anna and the Apocalypse is it threw a nice little twist on the tried and true zombie story and that's as simple as making it a musical yeah it's uh it's based on a short film from about 10 years ago now called literally called zombie musical which was uh the the co-writer whose name i cannot recall right now uh, he was watching high school musical with his girlfriend and after you know 40 minutes or whatever he just shouted out Man, I wish zombies would just come in and eat everybody, because then something interesting would be happening. Mm. Uh, his name is Ryan McHenry, and uh, he, for his film school thesis, made a short film called Zombie Musical, which is basically a couple of scenes end up in the final film, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But Are they the big set pieces? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I could probably teach a course on this movie, <laughs> just like the, the random stuff I know about it and how like how making a film like, with you're an unknown producer can just be a giant pain. Yeah, and especially one with this scale. Like even yeah. though it is it it is pretty low budget, there's some stars and some really good set pieces in it. Yes, it uh, they never released an actual budget figure, so we don't really know how much it costs to make. But it's not you know super low budget. I mean they have. They have professional dancers in some of the scenes. They have, I mean, even just even just zombie all the films, songs yeah. are well written, and the yeah. accompanying scenes when they sing them are all very um, busy. There's a lot of yeah. busy work, and everyone on set is clearly mm. like practice their their choreography and their lines. Yeah, the uh, the thing also about zombie movies is that they only work if there's just crowds and crowds of zombies and. They all have to get paid something. You can't yep. have them just show up and not get paid. They, even though they get paid a dollar or whatever, but, I mean, you can't make a zombie movie on super low budget. Exactly. And you unless can, it's but, all unpaid extras, yeah. but, you Which, know, it, it, it's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. 
And you know, this movie takes place in such a small town. I'd be shocked if they just used the residents as the extras. Yeah, that that does happen a lot. Um, so this this movie is, it it I've seen it a couple times now. Um, I actually found it through a book. There was a book based on it, and I read the book. I'm like, this is kind of fun. And then I found out there was a movie, so I watched the movie about a year or two ago. Was the book and, a musical? Uh, no, it does have the songs that the people perform at the talent show. But that's the rest of it. Okay. Uh, they cut out the songs. There's a few additional scenes. John's mom plays a much larger part. She's in the movie, if you know who she is. But if you don't know her who she is, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. She's the woman in, when they're handing out with uh, Anna's dad. Okay. Yeah. She, she gets lines, but no, I don't yeah. ever learn her name. She's just, like, kind of there. Yeah. Whereas in the book, she, um, she gets into a fight with uh, the principal, and he actually kills her in a fight. And that's when he starts going completely nuts. Uh, see, that would have been more interesting than him just slowly going crazy. Yeah. I think um, that was a stuff. That was stuff that they caught before they even started uh, started to shoot because probably budgetary been, reasons. Yeah, I mean there are a bunch of different things. I mean the stuff I know about <laughs> this yeah. movie is insane. Like, the, um, there was actually a live action intro uh, intro piece that would have tied a couple of the songs together, but they tried to shoot it in the middle of winter in Scotland. And the production was shut down due to weather, so it never. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so they they have that. Uh, the animated end credits were originally the animated opening, but for whatever reason, they did not go with that big opening. And I kind of like how the movie just starts with that cold yeah. open, though it it doesn't waste time just getting to it. Mm-hmm. It it probably gives about five minutes of character development, mm-hmm. and then it just gets right into the the musical. Yeah. It uh, it it's kind of like Shaun of the Dead in that way. Yeah. I mean, the movie, for better or worse, any comedy zombie film from here on out is going to be compared to Shaun of the Dead one way or another. That's because it was one of the first and the best one to do it. Yeah, I think it's. I still think it's the best zombie comedy. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite zombie movies. Period. Oh, absolutely. Their love for the genre is evident all over the place. I went back and watched, I didn't watch the whole thing. I did go back and watch certain scenes to see how they compared to this movie, yeah. which is probably unfair. But I watch a lot of zombie movies, guys. Like, I don't talk about it on this show much, but... I definitely I, used to watch more zombie movies than I do now. I kind of got burned out on them, and they all start to feel the same after a while. And that's one of the issues I had with Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes. Um, the movie has a tonal problem as well. The the first twenty five minutes basically feels like High School Musical Scottish edition. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's a very High School Musical song in the cafeteria, and there's some other songs, and then I have just, to say the first two songs are the weakest, and as the movie progresses, the songs get better. But yeah. not gonna lie, Hollywood ending was stuck in my head for a couple days. <laughs> yes. Because they just repeat that hook over and over mm-hmm. and over again. It just drills its way into your head. Even the principal singing it at the one point. Oh, my Although God. <laughs> I, I personally think that he's mocking them. I don't think that he's, like, singing along. Yeah. I definitely got a good laugh at that scene. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing that, that you'll notice if you watch it again is that uh, Sarah Swire, who plays Steph, was also the choreographer. Oh. So whenever there's a big dance number, she like conspicuously disappears so she could be behind the camera to make sure that people were dancing and stuff i'll have to keep my eye out for that i liked her she was a good actress Mm -hmm. the 
the, the writer uh, Alan McDonald, who was actually hired because he was a high school teacher. So he had a better idea of like what high school students actually sounded like, which is cool. Yeah, the dialogue did seem very genuine. Yeah. And that's, that explains it. Yeah, because he was someone who knew what it was like to be, not necessarily to be a high school student, but he knew high school students well enough to write reasonably Yeah, he well. observed them every day. Yes, yeah. You know, not like in a creepy way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah their teacher. doing his <laughs> job. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of kind of beating around the bush here a little bit. The movie is, it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. not bad at all. There's but... not, to me anyway, I didn't really see any glaring holes in it or anything that I actively disliked. I thought the beginning was a little cheesy, but overall, I really had a fun time watching it. Yeah, it. I was not prepared the first time I watched it for how dark it goes. Yeah, it is. I mean, zombie movies are inherently tragic, regardless. Even Shaun of the Dead has a lot of elements of tragedy to it, and it's probably the happiest zombie movie that there is. Yeah, except maybe Zombieland, but uh, it goes full dark it get, like as a warning to anyone who has not seen this it gets real dark see i didn't really think it got that dark but my tolerance for like <laughs> dark and horror is a lot more a lot more than yours i yeah, think the the nihilistic aspects hit me hard yeah the one big complaint i have and it's a little better done in the book is that the zombies getting distracted by the TV kind of comes out of nowhere and then is never mentioned again. And I think a little more reference to that might have been nice. Yeah, it's literally that one scene. And I think that's just a homage to um, George Romero. Yeah. It was in uh, Land of the Dead. They get distracted by fireworks. Yeah. I think it's more just like uh, George Romero always used zombies as a metaphor for like consumerism and everything. Yeah. And I think this was their way of just saying, oh, Everyone's a zombie because of screens. But again, it's only that one shot. Yeah. And I think with one or two more passes in the screenplay, they could have tied that in closer to mm-hmm. Chris, who's very in that same mold. Like he even runs back into a, a zombie infested building to get his phone. Yeah. And it, it felt like up until that point, it felt like they were going to say something using yeah. cell phones as the, the political commentary. But yeah. it ultimately amounts to nothing. Yes. And I, but, There's like four really big zombie fights and they all take place in different locations. Yeah. That that one in the bowling alley is a lot of fun because you get a bunch of cool little things you don't normally see. You that's get, definitely the high point for me. Yeah, it's it's real fun. Um, I think it would have been cool if that had been a song, but mm-hmm. that might have been too much to handle. Like to put. That's places. another thing that I got to knock down for this. When there's zombie fights, it's perfect opportunity for a song. And yeah. They always do the song after. Well, they do at the end. There's the song, like the big show-stopping number is yeah. a zombie fight and a song, and that's really cool. Uh, that's when Paul K gets to really shine. Yeah, um, he's just a delight in that part, even though he's awful. My one mate, like my one real big complaint is that there's no consistent rules to the zombies. Yeah, they are as strong or as weak, as fast or as slow, as smart or as dumb as the scene needs them to be to work. Yes, I even took notes of one scene because it drove me crazy. Let's um, hear it. <laughs> so when they they're going through that the abandoned uh, causeway and they come into the Christmas tree emporium, at fifty five minutes and forty seconds, <laughs> Nick leads them into the the emporium. Okay, 
at 56 minutes and 59 seconds, the zombies attack. And 32 seconds later, at 57 minutes, 31 seconds, three of the people that they brought in with them to the Emporium are zombified and attacking other people. And there does not appear to be any significant time cuts while they're in there because it's so frantic. Okay. And, that's just and like, then ugh. later on when a character gets bit, yeah. he doesn't it turn takes right them, away. Yeah, it, it, take, it, it, takes it takes longer them, than yeah. previously. Yes. And it's like, you know, I can understand certain things, but just give me a reason. Yeah. You know, is it like if if you're more seriously hurt, it can go faster or, or what? Like, I'm, a, I'm pretty easy to just kind of, you know, I'll let my, I'll spend my disbelief pretty easily. Just give me rules. Yeah, they kind of just assume the audience knows zombie rules and mm-hmm. just goes with it. Yeah. Or give me a bit more of a metaphor. Like, zombies can be really good as metaphors, mm-hmm. and it's getting there, but it's not quite there. Like, she needs, she wants to leave home, and the sacrifices she has to make to leave home, but it's so close to being great that it can be a little frustrating. And those are the movies that, I, that drive me craziest, is when it can see, you know, port amazing movie without a telescope, but it's such a hurry to get there that it misses A lot of somewhere. that has to do with budgetary reasons, it does. though. It does. And I think... That's more often than not the issue with Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's all I've got to say. I think on the whole I recommend it because there is nothing else quite like it. I but don't... <laughs> I'm with you on this. I, I definitely recommend it more than a majority of Christmas movies. I think it's something different. It's fun. But yeah. it's it's definitely not going to be one of those movies that I have to watch year after year. Yes. So, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey is 2020's new, or Netflix's new Christmas film. It's um, it's written and directed by David E. Talbert, stars Forrest Whitaker, Keegan-Michael Key, Hugh Bonville, An- Anika Noni Rose, Madeline Mills, Felicia Rashad, Ricky Martin, Justin Cornwell, and the list goes on. Yeah. Um... It's- yeah, but it's a, you know... How would you, how would you sum up the plot? Uh, a toy maker loses his mojo? Yeah, there's a, there's a toy maker whose apprentice gets frustrated and steals his designs and runs away and, you know, takes, takes his designs and becomes a super successful toy maker. Uh, and he's just sort of downhearted and his, uh, his granddaughter comes to visit him. And she starts bringing the magic back that he lost such a long time ago. Yeah. So this movie really captured. This is not a movie I would normally seek out. Yeah. Um, I had zero interest in watching this until you mentioned it for the show. Yeah. And I knew from like the first shot, this wasn't going to be my (laughs) cup of tea, but I will say it is beautifully shot and it Mm -hmm. looks wonderful it's it takes a little while to kind of get there because it's a bit of a high concept it mixes art styles a bunch it feels like it's really sort of german influence which makes sense Mm -hmm. because a lot of what we think of as christian or christmas iconography comes from germany especially Uh, but it's also predominantly black cast and it's predominantly um you know r&b type music Mm -hmm. uh step dancing so it's you know it's mixing influences mixing styles there's this really cool 
interstitial stuff. It looks like stop motion that I really like. Um, but it has that problem where a lot of the songs don't really move the story. It's very stagey in that way. Yes. I, while watching it, I kept thinking back to Hamilton and how this kind of wanted to be Hamilton, Mm -hmm. but it just completely flopped on all accounts. There's, there's definitely a thing you will notice if you look at musicals that came out a couple years after something enormous came out where they're all trying to be that. Yeah. And that's definitely where this is getting some of its, uh, uh, some of the things that you know don't work about this definitely come from that. Like the dancing mm-hmm. is very similar to the dancing from Hamilton, and not to speak out of turn, but the dancing is the thing about Hamilton that I remember the least whenever I think about it. And and when I went back and I watched this again, I watched this a couple of weeks ago because we originally were going to do this a few weeks before mm-hmm. we kept pushing it back. Um, so I had to go back and watch it again, and I had forgotten there was so much dancing in it because it's yeah, so Yeah, it seemed like they were just piling in the songs. It seems like every 10 minutes there was a new song, and one of the biggest issues I have with not just this movie but a lot of musicals in general is the songs don't know when to end. They just keep <laughs> yes. going. Yes. And I don't know if that's just me because I have – no tolerance for things I don't really care for. <laughs> but it, it felt like every song in this movie was at least five minutes. I mean, not as long. Well, at least not according to what it says on the soundtrack. Yeah. But some of them do seem to go on for a very long time. Like, the ones that come to mind are that first song and um, the one where the little girl is singing on top of the tower. See, I like that, but it also... I think you're right that it does go on a little bit too long. I just, I'm a sucker for that kind of I want song. That, yeah. That just really drags me in or the I am, I'm becoming song. Like, yeah. That can really get to me. Like I really, in a good way. Like I love that it, the end is like, I can do this. That's awesome. And that is enough to kind of get me on board. Even if I'm not, you know, there for the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, that all being said, I think you're right. A lot of the songs do go on too long it'd be one thing if the songs were like more original than they are and kind of had something to say but like you said they don't advance the plot and they're just kind of there it seems like they just want to sell you the soundtrack yes um i mean i love keegan michael key he's He's great great. he's He's always great his song is fine Mm -hmm. i mean he's not known as being an amazing singer he does what he can with it they probably wrote it for him so it you know it works out that's that scene goes on for two minutes longer than it has to. Yes, and I could say that about the whole movie though. This movie <laughs> is over two hours, and it's... I think if they trimmed it up about thirty minutes, it would be much more fluid. Yes, like, and that, not only that, um, you could just free up time to have a bit more of an interesting climax. Like the end, just sort of it kind of just pops and then it's over. Yeah, it it's not. There's not really an end. It just it just kind of. Like the plot gets wrapped up and then the credits roll. There's not really a conclusion. It's just the end of Act 3. Yes. And then there's like an epilogue that didn't really need to be there. Mm -hmm. But they have this whole framing narrative that you forget about until it comes back. And like, I like the movie more than most people do. And I still think it's a mess. (laughs) Yeah. You you watched it a couple weeks ago and told me, be ready. It's a mess, but enjoyable. (laughs) So I kind of had a thought of what to expect. And... (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was extremely bored this whole time. (laughs) 
I could I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. But you like musicals a lot more than I do, and <laughs> I don't true. dislike them, but it's got to keep my interest. Like, Anna and the Apocalypse kept my interest, and La La Land kept my interest, but I knew from the start Jingle Jangle wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad I watched it, glad I can talk about it. Yeah, there's, I mean, you're not wrong on any any of those points. It's definitely uh it, it's definitely a confused film. I think it's enjoyable. Other people may have a different opinion. I still think it's a little too long. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple songs that don't need to be there. There's, there's some streamlining that could happen. It tried um, to be because it's a multi generational story. Yes. And it tried to like it tried to be really. I think you said it earlier. High concept. Yeah. And it's a kids movie. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be. I think they could have had a little bit less of the angst and a little bit more of the two kids, you know, inventing things. Yeah. That was the fun parts, watching them invent new things. Yeah. Even the heist was was fun if a little overlong and all of a sudden there's this huge dangerous death trap that was so incongruous to the rest of the tone of the film. Uh, But... Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to say about this. It's, to me, it just felt like a very typical children's movie, extremely forgettable. And unless you're watching it with a young kid, I I wouldn't even say it's worth watching. Yeah, unless you really like, you know, stagey musicals especially. Yeah. This feels like it could have been made for a stage play and just done that way and that might have been a more fun way to do this it. the sets felt a lot like stage sets too so maybe it was originally supposed to be on stage and yeah, then you know netflix possible. probably just bought the script yeah i mean it's very possible uh, i don't know that much about about it um i know that the director has made several christmas movies his last several movies have been christmas movies but he also does a lot of stage work so it could very well have been originally something he wrote for the stage and then was turned into a uh, a film. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his movies. Um, it's I'm looking at the list I've, right now. <laughs> the only one I've even heard of other than this was El Camino Christmas from a couple of years ago. And I've not seen that. He um, he did a lot of short films, apparently, and mm-hmm. then he got really into uh, to doing plays. So... In some ways, he's probably been dodging Tyler Perry comparisons his whole life. But I think other than the fact that they both work with, you know, predominantly black casts, there's not a whole lot of similarities there. Yeah. I think uh, I think Talbert is definitely a more talented director, if nothing else. For sure. I mean, the, the movie looks amazing. The camera is a team player. It's, you know, doing all kinds of awesome sweeping the shots. The CGI, I'm typically not one to praise CGI, but it looked really good and fit the art direction for yeah. Jingle Jangle. The uh, the robot, the, you know, the 80s robot. That, that robot reminded me of Flubber. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. I wish that would have been more of a presence, too, because it it's almost like a... He kind of just shows up, and like a lot of these big things you see on screen and it just feels like to me they're trying to sell you something like mm-hmm. oh buy this robot toy buy the soundtrack but Not unfortunately wrong. that's how most kids films are nowadays yeah yeah it's kind of a shame although i hope that this does well and he gets more to do because i think he's a he, very talented yeah director. i agree he's a very talented director and definitely deserves the work it's mm-hmm. just 
I this movie just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it's great to see Keegan Michael Key and stuff. I I feel like he gets kind of shortchanged a little bit when you compare him to Jordan Peele. Who they're doing and, different things. Peele's yeah. doing directing, writing things, and Keegan yeah. Michael Key's doing more acting. Yeah, and if I see his name on a cast list, I'll it'll be on my list. I really like his his presence, and oh yeah, he's just a fun guy to watch. Even as the villain here, he's charming. He's warm. You know, you get why people flock to him. Yeah, even though he's you know kind of a bad guy, you get how he's amassed this huge fortune. Even when he's not really the because there, <laughs> there's the Iago of uh, of Ricky Martin's little oh yeah little thing don juan diego yeah a lot of jingle jangle just feels like a hodgepodge of <laughs> other kids movies a little bit there is a little bit of throwing darts at the wall and seeing what you come up with uh, i just wish it was more focused shorter and kind of had more to say yes like you could have cut out at least one character completely and not lost anything yeah Mrs. Johnson or Miss Johnson, the postwoman. Yes. She could have been cut out completely and nothing significant would have been missed. Yeah, she was just there to add, like, a little more tension. But they don't even get together. Like, if they got together, it would be one thing. Yes. She's a C-plot. Yes, if that. And, you know, there's a lot. I like it, but I think it has flaws. Yes. Um that's kind of how I feel about Anna as well. So I kind of just want to tie those in. We don't really do the comparisons that we were used to. We probably should start getting back oh, to that. Let's do a comparison um, right now. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in terms of production value, there's no comparison. Uh, Jingle Jangle definitely wins. Oh, yeah. Jingle Jangle's budget blows Anna and the Apocalypse out of the yeah. water. I mean, I don't think Netflix releases those figures. But you can tell just by looking at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has... I'm sure they spent more money on the opening sequence <laughs> than Anna had for its whole budget. Yeah. And, you know, on IMDb, Jingle Jangle has, I think, um, like 6.5. But 6.5. It has close to 100 in Rotten Tomatoes, which is kind of weird. Really? Yeah. I the, uh, don't see why. Um, Anna only has 6 on IMDb, though, which is really weird to me. Because um, I think it's definitely memorable. Yeah. Um, I think five years down the line, I'm going to remember Anna and the Apocalypse before Jingle Jangle. Yeah. And... The um, yeah, I think I think you're right. the The most significant thing, as far as people get coming out of Anna, is uh, the songwriters work on Animaniacs now, which I think is oh, a good nice. fit for them. They wrote a bunch of songs for the new season, which I have not seen yet. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think I think you're right. I prefer. It's hard to say, like definitively one or the other. If you had to watch one right now, which one would it be? Anna, like gun to my head, it would be Anna. Um, partially because it's shorter. <laughs> yeah, um, it's more than thirty minutes shorter, and mm-hmm. it it's it both both movies would be better at ninety minutes. Yes, yes. Um, plus, I do think Scottish accents are fun to listen to. Yeah, but <laughs> that's, that's neither. And here like there. one of the things about Anna, it feels like you said feels like High School Musical, but I think that's definitely intentional oh, because yeah. they want you to just like the the director said the you just want zombies to show up halfway through <laughs> High School Musical, and that's exactly what happens. Yes, that's especially what happens. Um, it does make you you know respect Sean a little bit more just because of how good it is at layering stuff in. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, Jingle Jangle is fun, but it's a mess. It's very much like a party, like a Christmas party movie. If you could have Christmas parties right now, which you can't, so don't. But if you could, it's a perfect movie to put on in the background while you see. Have I disagree with that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the kind of movie where the plot doesn't really matter. You can walk in and nothing. It doesn't really matter what's happening on screen. I think Jingle Jangle is a perfect movie to show a young, like six to ten year old child, and see if they like it. If they That's do, great. Fair. If not, show them something better, like Die Hard. <laughs> that is uh, that is fair. <laughs> but that's all I have to say about these. Yeah, two. that's that's all I've got. Uh, do you want to talk about next week a little bit? Um, what were we planning for next week? Uh, was it, was it special cargo? Oh, rare exports. Rare exports. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you got it off that steam. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so next week we were talking about doing some evil Santa Claus movies. One being Rare Exports, a Norwegian film from, I believe, 2011. And shit, it's, what were we going to uh, pair it with? Fat Man. Oh, yeah. And a... 2020's new film, Fat Man, starring yeah. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson as like a drunken Santa Claus. And so, I have not seen either of these yet, but I'm excited to get into them. I have seen... Rare Exports once, and I loved it. I'm very excited for Fat Man as well. So tune in next week for that yeah. and some Thank other Christmas us. fun. Thank you for joining us in the Crossroads.